from washing cars to managing the lot to jumping into additional marketing that you need to grow your business. This is the kind of founder work we've got on the show next. Founders that have come from literally nothing and worked their way into an environment where they became the expert. They became the one who knew how to fix the, the problems. They knew, they knew how to solve problems. I love this founder today. We have got Jimmy Kim on the show today, and he's going to be talking to you about what it takes to scale from a top of funnel point of view. And I love what he's done, not only what he does for other clients, but what he does for his business. And he's had to make some really hard decisions, you know, decisions that most founders don't like to think about, but they probably should. And so listen to this episode with a lot of interest, because what you're going to find is that building and growing a business has very few moments where you sit back and say, ah, aren't things going awesome? Jimmy Kim exposes a lot of the thoughts and and decisions that he goes through and has had to go through in order to grow and scale his business to where it's at today, which is phenomenal. He's seen a, a massive growth, big widespread adoption, and many of you have probably seen the results of his efforts in your inbox. So get ready to listen to this episode and I hope you learn some tips and tricks that are gonna make your experience in growing and scaling that much easier. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Growth and Scaling Podcast. This is your host, Todd Westra, and I am so glad you're here today because we are going to interview an amazing founder or executive who is gonna share with us their decisions that they made that exploded their growth. So if you need some inspiration, you wanna hear how other businesses are doing it, this is a place to be and we are glad you're here. Enjoy this episode. Hey, welcome to this episode. I am so happy to have Jimmy Kim on the episode today because Jimmy is a man after my own heart. He loves sending to leads. He's a a lead master. He knows how to talk to him. He knows how to capture. He knows how to build a call to action. Jimmy's got a lot going on in his head and I cannot wait to get into this interview because he helps people grow and build their marketing machines and generate those initial leads that his salespeople need to grow. So Jimmy, let's jump in, man. Who are you and what do you do? Hi, Todd. Uh, thank you uh, for having me here today on the show. Very, very excited to be here and to share our, you know, share some wisdom and learnings and pains and everything that I have. But uh, my name is Jimmy Kim. All of it. Uh, I'm uh, the CEO and co-founder of SendLane.com. That's what we do. We're an email and SMS marketing automation platform for e-commerce merchants. So, um, yeah. So, how Love did it. this all start? I think it's always interesting because I look back and you know, though SendLane is what I do today, it wasn't what I always did, of course. And I've gone through a lot of careers. I actually started my life in the car business, actually. I started off uh, actually washing nice. cars, going to selling cars, and eventually being a general manager of three Saturn stores. This is way back in the day, 2007, 2006, 2005. So uh, that was my first career. Wow. And uh, you know, I did it at a very young age, wow. and I was very successful at it. That I would have never known that would have happened for me, right? But I would say that that was my first li- life, right? So then... Car washer to three yeah. GMs. I mean, that's yeah, it awesome. was cool, man. It was uh, it was something special. You know, a lot of people under me, and I learned a lot from service to you know uh, finance to uh, down to just raw sales mechanics, everything around it. And you know, I always fell in love with it. So love it. Anyways, that was my first. Did we? Yeah, that was you. my first life, and then that alone is a success yeah. story. I mean, that's awesome. Oh, thank you, thank you. So. 
I made my first pivot when I said in 2008 that I didn't want to do this anymore. I wanted to go do something else. So I ended up uh, jumping yeah. into a company and you know, I knew the founder and the CEO at that time. And I went to him and said, look, I'm not here to like be your lifelong like employee. I'm going to tell you up front. I told them that I am very good at operating and I understand how to run a business, but I need to learn how to do digital. Yeah. And so if you teach me digital, I'll help you learn how to operate your business. And that's kind of the barter we made. So three Love years it. together, we worked. I helped him flip across a lot of debt that he had into profits and we really created a smooth operating wow. machine. And with that, I launched my own first business. So my first business, I started off by teaching people how to make money online. I was, I was teaching people how to build businesses, essentially uh, build an email list and then also cool. mail them and make money off of it through affiliate marketing. So that was my first business. Right. Um, you know, as that business evolved, it became a software business once I realized that I needed to solve my own problems. So things like click tracking, creating ebook <laughs> covers. And so that business eventually evolved into a software company. At that same time, I yeah. got it. I invested in a little, a little, uh, a little clothing brand. A friend of mine needed a PO that would, needed to be covered for a Pacific Sunwear, and I had some money, and I said, right. "Okay, I'll cover that for you." But once I put some money in there, I realized that I was more interested in it, and uh, eventually became a partner of the company. And uh, we started to grow this brand. It was a men's streetwear brand. It was uh, cut and sew, made in the USA. Uh, we had a lot of brand celebrities, famous nice. people and stuff wearing our clothes. But that was a really fun journey. And we did that for several years. So about four years in the world, I uh, was building a DC brand. Uh, started off in retail, went completely full to e-commerce at the end. That's obviously me. Showed up and said, why aren't we wow. doing e-commerce? And so we got online and then we, we realized that the retail side wasn't making money and everything online was. So, um, you know, we did that. And retail is such a pain yeah. in the butt. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, e-commerce <laughs> is too. So, it, it, I mean, either way, they have their own right, challenges, right, right. of course. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, right. you know, that was that. And that's kind of where Sendlane derived all out of. So, all that story I just told you about, you know, the brand and my other business and everything else, I right. needed a tool. Right. And it was this weird story where me and two other, my co-founders of this company, we initially were sitting at a table. Yeah. We, none of us op worked together, but we worked in the same like markets. And we sat down and said, right. we need something better, guys. Like, let's do something. And, you know, we, we didn't know. We were young uh, entrepreneurs and probably thought yeah. things were easier than they were. And I'll tell you, they, we thought they were way easier. And we said, oh, yeah, we'll just throw some money in together and we'll build this little platform. And we did that, right? It cost a lot right. more money than we thought it would. But we ended up building this platform <laughs> built for us, built for no one else. And that's kind of where the, the birth yeah. of Sunlane happened. And then as I look forward into, you know, what happened from there, and this is when the snowball in 2017, I decided that I was bored of my cash generating business. So a generating business that was probably making me about a million dollars net in my pocket a year. Uh, and I just said, this is just yeah. isn't big for me. Like I can't see bigger than this. It's boring. It's not right. giving me the fuel. And then I had some creative differences with my partner at my clothing store at that time because I wanted to scale bigger and he didn't want to scale as big. So, uh, you know, we, we, we just got right. into a place and I said, you know what? I, I need to do something different. So that's when the day Sunlane was born in 2017. Uh, and then basically the rest is history. I mean, we basically from there, uh, we knew we had an immediate product market fit, went and sold on it so we can raise our seed fund, raise our seed raise, um, and right. then knew that we had to build this brand new platform. So we built the new platform, right. uh, got it going, proof of concept, things moving, and then we got our Series A. And then, you know, over the last uh, 18 months since then, and uh, 
uh, what's that called again? I, uh, what's that called? We had to learn a lot of pain, a lot of pain to figure out some of the repeatable things to get growth <laughs> and scale and engine going on GTM. And then eventually, right. you know, we right. recently just raised our Series B even in this market and we're still accelerating. So, you know, as I say this, in January, we have 23 people. So like we're still moving forward. Uh, and uh, it's because of our unique position in the market. You know, our competitors have outpriced us with all these price increases essentially. And we are delivering right. a better service right. and a better product for a significant cheaper and not because I wanted to because they priced me out there and uh, it's helping us win deals yeah. and that's that's basically what it where we are today I guess I love it so yeah I love it you know so many people look at so many people look at the uh, the digital marketing space and and the, the, especially the space that yep. you're in you know when, when people it, it's almost like voodoo magic and a lot of people just care not to yep. know about how this whole world works in that ecosystem but those of us that have been in there, and I spent a good 11, 12 years uh, not only building campaigns and, and marketing leads and, and doing a lot of customer service and all that kind of stuff, all the elements that go into yep. what you do, it is a fascinating thing. And you're right. There aren't very many solutions out there that people can jump to, to really find a reliable place to send, to receive, to, to kind of build that lead ladder where they need to funnel these things in, put them into the right places, retarget them, remarket to them. And now that SMS is a big part of the game, it only makes that game so much more Correct. fun, in my opinion. And so I, I'm so proud of you, man. I love what you yeah, built. Thank you. Um, this journey, this journey, I mean, it sounds like you've been from, you know, literally from car washer to where you're at now. What would you say is like the, the point in that journey where you thought, did this thing is is fun. Like this is just really fun. You know, you know what's fun, uh, and my mentor talks to me about this as well too. And uh, you know, different yeah. people tell me this, but as a founder, what's weird is you don't get to enjoy the things that you've done until you look back often. It doesn't make sense because you live in the mo. You can't live in the moment as totally a founder because your job is to live in the present yeah. and in the future. And for many times in the moment, you're living in the future. So though things are going yeah. freaking well right now, all I can do is worry and concern myself about right. the future. And so I would say the biggest learning is actually a historical learning because I always look back and I go, wow, that was a good time. And yeah. that was a great time. What was I doing that during that time? Why don't I do more of that? Right. right? So uh, that would be the better way of saying it for me. Cause I can't say that as a founder, like I'm sure anyone who's listening to this, the founder can relate to Love that it. statement. Like it's tough. It's tough to totally. enjoy the moment. It's hard for me to celebrate because all I it think about so it next is what's that next thing I got to win or else I'm not going to get there. <laughs> right. Dude, dude, I love it. it. You know, you speak so much about about that founder mindset, and you know, we we uh, as as founders yeah. of companies and as founders of companies that have grown and scaled, especially, you know, there's pivotal moments where you're like, okay, is this really worth it? You know, what's been one of those moments where you looked at what you're building right now, and you said, okay, this challenge, it just sucks. How am I gonna How am I gonna beat this thing? What was that thing in your in your experience oh, in growing God. and scaling? Uh, uh, there's so many things I could say on that one. I think I think um, you know one of the hardest things that always are tough when you're thinking about like the journey is not just the people, the funding rounds, and everything else, but it starts with the top, right? I'm talking about right. like the co-founder side of things. I had some co-founder conflict in the early days, and it you know it wasn't that because I didn't love the guy. It wasn't because we were we were the greatest of friends. Right. We just didn't see eye to eye eventually, and I think. But one of the pivotal moments sure. of our company was, 
you know, it was 2019. So it's been all long enough that, you know, it's it, the pain's not there, of course, anymore. We've all moved on. But like, kind of you know, we had to make bit. the hard decision. Yeah. It was me or him kind of deal. Right. Like, that's where we got to. And that was right. probably the most pivotal thing. It was right. one of us are going to lead it and one of us needs to walk away because this ain't working for our friendship. And we're not we're hurting the company because of it. And that was one of the toughest things that totally. came into place. And I would say pivotal wise, that was probably a big pivotal decision. And it's no different than anything else, like a relationship or anything else like it's hard yeah. and no one wants to do it. But I would say that was my most pivotal thing that I've had to deal with uh, within this journey of this one. Dude. However, you know, it, as the dust settled, everyone got better. We're all still friends. We all still love each other. We laugh and giggle. And, right. You know, they thank me. I think the best part is he thanks me that it was the right move. And he knows that because he says no one would have been able to right. do it with me. Right. So uh, he gets it. Right. right. So right. It, it's a learning, but it's also pivotal it's a, for sure. So, Jimmy, I mean, I, I would say that the majority of people that have a partner in their business right now have those moments where they're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what, 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 when you hit that, like, what what did you do to, uh, if you were to do it over again, what do you think is the one thing that you would do differently to kind of prepare for that moment a little bit better? You know, the biggest lesson of this business and the funniest thing is that first day formation and that cap table. That cap table would have been way different from the beginning. So my earliest and number one lesson I've learned is that make people truly, I know, I know it sounds horrible. What do you mean you got to vest in my own company that I'm a co-founder of? Vest him. Right. Trust me. Uh, next time, hundred <laughs> percent, anybody, even myself, I need to be vesting too. Like it's only fair for the future of the business and to be a real business that has a chance to succeed. Right. So, yeah, my, my thing is going that. all the way from day one. I know that you and me are friends and we're equals, yada, yada, yada. But I'm sorry, Todd, someone's got to right. be majority. Someone's got to be the final say. Totally. Someone's got to be the decision maker. And I'll tell you that that was probably our early hindrance and uh, something that we I've learned really hard uh, from this company's journey. And I will never make that mistake into the future. I love it. You know, I, 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 am not going to go into a lot of detail, but I had a partnership for 11 years, 10, 10, 11 years. And, uh, and, and we were both grateful that somewhere early on, we kind of had an exit strategy. You know, we, we kind of started talking about it and, and just that conversation about, dude, if we ever decide to exit this thing, what is that going to look like? And how does it work for both of us? You know? And when it finally came time to where, you know, to be honest, like we both admitted that after two years, we kind of outgrew each other. Yeah, we, exactly. we really didn't it's hard. Uh, either one of us could have taken the business and run. And, uh, and so after, after 10 years or so, it was like, yeah, dude, I, I want to go build something big, yeah. you know? And he's like, well, you know, if, if you're it, if you're yeah. out, I'm just, I'll yeah, that whole, that whole, it was that whole legal thing transition. at the start, I know it sounds painful, but do the legal yeah. thing. That's basically what I'm saying is be better about that and be smarter I agree. about it. So yeah. Yeah. I love it, dude. That's a beautiful story, and I and I think that that is a pain that a lot of people have to deal with when it takes a conversation about you know what does it take to scale. Sometimes it's cutting some fat. Sometimes it's lo- loosening some overhead up that really isn't adding yeah. value and putting it into someplace that is absolutely. Kind of sounds mean. It, but, it is, you know, but it you know, is. unfortunately, there's a lot of things in business that are harsh, right? Like, you know, as you scale, you, <laughs> you, your day ones no long, you know, a lot of your day ones exit over time. It's just normal, right? They're just different stage right. people. In that early day, you need a generalist, and you need specialist, and you need, uh, you know, more scale, right? Oh, there's dude. different types of people. 
and yeah. it's sad always yeah. like i will say like what you just said like you're right it is but it is obviously empathetically i'm sad because you look at it and you're like i wish they could have been part yeah. of the entire journey with me but the reality is that's just not how totally. it works right that's not how life works it yeah, is nor is it how humans work. Yeah. yeah yeah i love it i love it now now as you look out in your network you talked a little bit about having yeah. a mentor um i love giving shout outs and i i think it's I think it's good for other founders to hear that, you know, this guy, Jimmy just built this amazing software group, a software company and his technology and stuff like that. But like, who did you lean on? Like there's always somebody outside the company yeah. that, that you look at and says, Oh my gosh, man, they really helped me kind of to, to get through. Yeah. This I mean, this is a good timing. I'm writing him an email for our call tomorrow for our agenda of, of our call. So, um, uh, I would say, I would say Love I have it. two types of mentors right now. If I were to say who are, who are the people you listen to most out in the network? Uh, I would listen to Brett Fox. That's my CEO coach mentor. He helps me. He trains, you know, mostly psychological homies, listens to me Love and all it. that good stuff. He's been a huge asset over the last what, three, three and a half years now. So it's been a great ride and I don't awesome. plan to leave his side. I mean, he's done this job many times and he, it's true. Experience really helps. And then I have my silent mentor and it does. my silent mentor is just someone I look up and I say, I know there's like names, but I always look up Jason Lemkin. I'm sure you know who my, that might be. He's a SAS, uh, he's Saster yep. founder CEO and he's just inspirational. I, I think that I always say that his social media talks to me because sometimes he says things that are on top of my head anyways, because He's a head. founder and he gets <laughs> yeah. it right. He's done the founder job a couple times yeah. and he's just saying the same thing. And I have learned one thing with scale is like the same problems that you had under early stage show up. They're just a different format or the different version. I that, that same problem later on, right? It's the same thing that happens. And that's why it feels like it's always relevant no matter what scale I'm at. And that's basically what he talks about. So I, I would say those two are pretty awesome people Love in the it. world and they're helping the world move forward. At least they've helped me move forward. And I'm, you know, so I, I would say that's awesome. Love it. I love it, man. Dude, way to go. I, first of all, I just want to say, dude, I'm, I'm super proud of you. It, there's a lot of people that are in that space that, that you're in who just get icky. You know what I mean? It, it, they start playing with shady parts of, of, of the email network world and, and they just kind of get into places where they probably sure. shouldn't be. And, uh, and, and you have been able to come into that, look at it, evaluate where you want to be and position yourself where you're out of the ick and you're into the practical, yeah. which I've always thought that that industry has very practical skill sets that if applied to the right Correct. place, it's a completely above board, really cool business. Yeah, it's to be actually in. helping so businesses make real revenue. It's actually really fun to see and see these companies, you know, communicate with their customers, have two way conversations and then sell yeah. them and close them. Like I'm like, how cool we're helping these businesses actually grow, you know? So I do, I, I know what I you mean it. though, Todd, like mostly it's a lot of bad spam newsletter, different things that if you're not like verticalizing into a place, <laughs> but yeah, we've created a solution where email is a part of the feature, but the rest of it, right? The segmentation yeah. engine and all that good stuff is really important too. Love it. Love it. Dude. Awesome. Hey, how do people get a hold um, of you? What, what if someone wants to kind of catch up with you? Yeah, I'm in two at? places I exist mostly in the world. LinkedIn, if you look me up, not yeah. a hard name to find me, Jimmy Kim. I've got a following I post quite often there. And I also am on Twitter. Uh, you can find Love me it. on Twitter at yojimmykim.com, uh, Jimmy Kim. So yo, Jimmy Kim, Y-O. Uh, so you can find me there and I, I tweet pretty often up there too. So those are my social networks. That's where you'll find me. Obviously, you always find me at the company at Sendlane. Love it. Uh, Sendlane.com as well too. Love it. Jimmy, I have a feeling you're going to be a guest on my uh, on my LinkedIn lives coming up here shortly because 
I just think we got a lot of, we, there's a lot of, lot of cool stuff we can talk about to uh, help businesses grow and scale their businesses. So thank you so much for sharing your bits with us. And, uh, and I hope people do reach out because it, it, it's inspiring. I love, I loved everything you said today. It was just a beautiful, beautiful step into what it does take to scale. And I appreciate you sharing with us. Thanks, Thanks man. So how cool was that? I mean, Jimmy Kim is more than meets the eye, in my opinion. There, there's a world that he's navigated through uh, over the past decade and a half that most people don't even know exists. And that world is top of funnel marketing. It is growing and scaling businesses through email, text messaging, and other traditional methods that a lot of people think are dead. Jimmy and I can both tell you, having had a lot of experience in the same part of the, of the world as him, that this is not a dead thing. Top of funnel marketing is so important. You need to constantly be dumping leads into your funnel so that you can, you can nurture them, you can grow them into the type of leads that convert to your best clients. So, but what about Jimmy's business? How hard was that? to have to negotiate a buyout that may not have been so comfortable at the time, but needed to happen in order to grow and scale his business. Sometimes having too many chefs in the kitchen gets hard. And Jimmy was able to express in a deep and respectful way to his co-founders how he was able to move on from that uncomfortable situation into what is now a, a time where they could both relate to how good it was that they separated and how they were, how he was able to grow the business so much faster, having that unified vision and the direction that his company needed to grow. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. For me, it was, it was, uh, I felt like he was speaking to me in so many ways and telling my story, having come from a very similar background in marketing. So thank you so much for enjoying this episode. I hope that that you have taken something from it that is going to help you know what it takes to grow and scale your business. 